That's when you go, welcome to the Forest Creek. Yeah, this yeah. is usually when I do that. Use this as the intro instead. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Forest Creek, everybody. Raph doesn't know how to start the episode. Pacatum, so, pacatum, 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 pacatum. I think that was seven. I wasn't counting. Well, I wasn't either. Viewer, tell us if it was seven. Or, or don't. Or I guess listener. If you're driving, don't tell us anything. <laughs> Call me. Ten and two. <laughs> Let's be real. You drive ten and two, or are you a nine and three? I actually, I've gotten more ten and two. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I'm rushing to work, so I'm like, I'm, I treat it like F one. I don't take my hands off the wheel. <laughs> I've gotten more twelve. More twelve. You're yeah. a lot more. Just... I just put one hand on the top of the wheel. <laughs> Welcome to the Four Creek Podcast. Today, that was that was another Dante reference. A couple episodes ago, I opened it with the "All hope ye abandon oh. who enter here." That was also from Dante. This mm-hmm. today's a Dante reference because we're talking about the seven deadly sins, Ooh. which is what that means. Peccatum is the Latin word for sin, mm. and in the Purgatorio, the second of the Divine Comedy books written by Dante Alighieri, I think that's his. I'm pretty sure I didn't say that right, but it's the second of them. The first one, obviously, is the Inferno the very popular one there's honestly it's the most fun to read out of the three they say that it gets more boring as he goes up (laughs) it's funny because he goes he starts inferno and then he's on earth gets lost and then goes down the circles of hell but Mm -hmm. then crosses over from the bottommost circle into purgatory Mm. and then he goes up mount purgatory and then he crosses from the top into heaven goes up paradiso interesting which is the third book i was wondering what heaven would be called i was like it's just gonna be called heaven oh no <laughs> yeah so it's inferno purgatorio and paradiso mm. and it's uh i was talking to somebody actually about this at a party a little oh. while ago because she was like telling a story and saying i was reading dante at the time in the inferno i don't know if you guys read it. and i was like the only person was like yeah i'm actually reading it right now <laughs> <laughs> and she was saying that she thought the Inferno was the most fun. I think Purgatorio, to me, is the most interesting. Hmm. Or it's the most applicable. But Inferno is its the most interesting to read. It's just also the most riddled with Catholic guilt. <laughs> Which is something <laughs> I would like to avoid on this podcast. Luckily, I'm not Catholic. Me neither. But I can, having stood in a cathedral today and just hearing that pipe organ play and this building is like a little colder than orthodox churches mm. to me it's more spacious things are more echoey and it feels grand and wonderful and like holy even but there's like a warmth that's lacking in it to be like i know this is all this echo space here is where your guilt bounces off <laughs> <laughs> i've heard this term catholic guilt a lot i i don't know well i mean think about it this well, way only a few times when I you guess. see a crucifix mm-hmm. what's jesus doing on there he's bleeding he's suffering <laughs> and we're reminding you of that it's like we understand there's a point to it there's a reason why this is the thing but it's also like if you're just if your ego receives it slightly the wrong way it's guilt mm. right which is it does this matter. not happen the same in orthodoxy i think it's a little different because mm-hmm. we do have that like we do have it but we're yeah, not cause i remember we played D with father ap yeah and he walked in with a giant crucifix yes. around his neck but there was it wasn't like we didn't paint the blood on it <laughs> you know, I think the Catholics go a tad bit too far. Yeah. Did you ever uh, see this game, Blasphemy? Blasphemous. 
No, I think you told me about it. It was like a, it's a 2D side-scroller game, and their entire art style is Catholic guilt. It's like, here is a woman, and she's wearing a crown of thorns, and the thorns are, like, digging in her head, and it's Mm. bleeding down. It's like, there wasn't actually any image of Christ. It was like a, but the art style is inspired by that. Interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of that in... I'm, I'm sure it, like, it manifests across all denominations, but Catholic guilt is like, like I'm saying, it's an art style, <laughs> you know? And that's not what we want to do here today. We don't want to mm. make you guilty. I don't want to make people feel bad, but what, what are we about? We're about self-improvement a little bit, kind of, occasionally. So, and this is one of those podcasts where, like, if you examine yourself... Mm-hmm. The whole point of doing that is so that you can pick out the things that are not working and the things that are working and try to do more of what's working and stop doing what's not. Mm-hmm. Simple, right? Very that sounds pretty good. Objective. Yeah. Um, I like that. It's termed Socratic self-observation. I've never heard sense. of this before. Like That's interesting. Socratic self-reflection, even, because you're trying to look at yourself the way that Socrates tries to look at arguments, which is devoid of all the emotion let's take out the pathology and the emotional and the ethics and just think what's the logic of the situation Mm. right and if you want to be objective about yourself that's the way to do it best why are you having health problems because i'm obese why are you obese because you're eating unhealthy and not active enough what's the logical fix get healthy by losing weight by eating healthy and getting more active trying to be socratic and just logical about the situation Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because, and as we'll talk about shortly, there is a very easy way for your ego to get involved in that self-reflection. And just be, why is my health bad? Because I suck. (laughs) Because I'm a loser. That's some good self-reflection right there. Right? I'm the voice. Or the other way around. It's like, why am I having this argument with this person? It's because they're an idiot. (laughs) That's not helping. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's, if anything, it's the emotional side. And where does that come from? It comes from your ego. And that falls under one of our seven deadly sins. And we'll get into that, like I said, in a minute. But um, before we do, Jared, what have the seven deadly sins meant to you? Hmm. Honestly, for the majority of my life, it meant a reference to Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it does get used in fiction here. Yeah, and there, right? because I grew up Protestant, and so I was never taught these or Catholicly guilted with them. I was laughing to myself <laughs> about this earlier. It's like Jared is technically a wasp. A wasp? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like we usually refer to it as like the elite <laughs> wasps of society. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but you're technically Boom. a wasp. I'm a wasp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you. Anyway, so yeah, it's not really heavily featured. Like, yeah, that's... no, it wasn't. It's like you're taught about sin and stuff and whatnot, the, yes. the basics, but there's no. Here's the specific things that you need to work on. Here's the specific antidotes on how to work on them. Yes. Which I think I would have appreciated, actually. But maybe also not. Who knows? But either way, it made a good anime. You know, we talked about Catholic guilt. I was mm. like, that's that's one thing that I think is... That's almost like the whole point of Protestantism. 
is to eliminate that a little Interesting. bit. I think there was a physical manifestation of it that the church was doing, and that's mm. why Luther King did all that. Yeah, I heard he was also... He was like, hey, stop charging people to get rid of their yeah, sins. Yeah, that was like the biggest thing he And hated. your whole organization, is like if what at the Catholic guilt, your whole organization is to tell people they need to get rid of their sins and then charging them money to get rid of their sins. Yeah. So it's like, valid complaints. What was it? What is it called? An indulgence. An that's indulgence, what it is. Because yeah. apparently... I heard from Andres, our very Catholic friend, yes. that indulgences are not necessarily explicitly pay money to remove sin. It's actually about removing sins or like cleaning further people in purgatory. Because purgatory, the idea that are going through the fire of purgatory to clean themselves so they can finally go into heaven, they're righteous enough. Here's the thing. I'm Orthodox. There is no purgatory. In Orthodoxy, there's when no purgatory? When you're damned, you're damned. <laughs> That's so, it. wait... Orthodox don't believe in purgatory either. It's there just is no Catholic. purgatory. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know what Protestants believe. N- there's no there's purgatory. Also, there's a bunch of them. Some Protestants are like, there is no heaven or hell. Yeah. That's, which is an interesting take. I've never met a Protestant that believed in purgatory. I don't think that's... Pro- Even though there's 30,000 denominations, I'm sure maybe there's one or two, like the Lutherans or something. But overall... I wonder I, if there's like a Christian Marxist take on this to be like, pur- ca- purgatory was invented by the Catholics to sell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making that claim. Yeah. We're just joking here. Well, no, because uh, back to the point, the idea of indulgences to begin with was actually to like you did something it didn't have to be a donation to the church that was an option but you could also do some hail marys and then your cousin who died is now going through purgatory faster yeah it's like you 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 scrubbed them of those sins a little bit more yeah that that was the whole idea if you're like a lord in medieval times and your son is always at the tavern doing stuff Mm -hmm. you're gonna go to the you know priest and be like all right i'm paying off his indulgence here's a few coins (laughs) paying off his debt uh, here's a few more because the rest of the week (laughs) (laughs) and that's where it started to run away hence yeah luther king yeah because then there was the pope at the time and some big cardinal who were like hey we can do we can get big bucks from this yeah <laughs> which is like hey you have a lot of stuff to pay for yeah all these monks aren't here living for free you know mm-hmm. you, you know, who do you think pays for these beautiful cathedrals yep. and I was in one today they are <laughs> they are really nice a little cold but <laughs> <laughs> I th- you're definitely right on that because I've been going to a Catholic church recently and it's like it's nice and it's large I love the pipe it's really cool there's no pipe organ in this there's one no I'm like this is it. now I know I'm going to the wrong one yeah, go to <laughs> I'll it's, stick to it's, my it's little one of these, it's Pentecostal the cathedral church. of her holy our it's the cathedral of our lady of the holy rosary is the wow. name of the thing. It's Interesting. like it's a little obnoxious. Can we just yeah. say Saint whoever <laughs> on the front? It's interesting to me how many names there are for Mary. I heard one from Which annoys me cuz I just say Mary. Yeah. But the, I remember one cuz Andres especially he would change it. Fatima. Yeah. <laughs> Why are he, you saying that? He would keep changing it though. He'd change which one he, which lady name he was using. I was like, "Who are you talking about?" It's like, but, <laughs> but um, the one I heard recently was from a small town in Mexico where their church burned down, or maybe it was like the whole town burned down or something like that. The only piece that was left standing was the statue of Mary from the church, and so they called her the Lady of Flames or something. It was so cool. I'm like, that's sick. 
yeah, there's a lot of uh, miracles around Mary, but back to the point yeah. is that, again, this episode is not about Catholic guilt. It's Neither about, of us are Catholic, so. This is a secular show. Yeah. As I keep saying. It's like we this just, is about secular guilt. This is about secular guilt. <laughs> you should not believe in this. But that's a good point. What is secular guilt? Secular is guilt manifest? is being a virgin. <laughs> in a way, you're not wrong. But uh, I think it's interesting. You were asking me last time we attempted this podcast. Mm-hmm. What is the point of thinking or believing in such things as the seven deadly sins if you are, for instance, an atheist? Mm-hmm. And my reply to it is that it doesn't matter whether or not you believe in gluttony. Obesity exists. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. most common way that we define gluttony. So it's like, at least if you characterize something... Or you give it, you know, you start to examine it a little bit. Even if you're wrong, you at least started looking. Yeah. You didn't just excuse it. Yeah. Because I think we, in modern day, in the absence of Catholic guilt, we just went hard the other way. Mm. We went into, hey, these things about me are just me. Yeah. Accept them. Yeah, accept yourself as you are. I have bipolar disorder. <laughs> Which is, or like, it, or, you know... You're, it's funny, we can almost paint each of them, right? Ooh. Oh, there's no such thing as vanity, there's narcissism. Mm. Right? There's no such thing... <laughs> what are the secular deadly sins? Right? <laughs> <laughs> we, there's no such thing as greed... Well, I think greed has a place, but it's like, there's no such thing it's as greed. It's called capitalism. It's materialism. Or yeah, capitalism, materialism. Yeah. That's right? <laughs> uh, there's no such thing as wrath. It's you have aggression that anger you're not issues. managing correctly yeah. with anger issues. <laughs> There is no such thing as despair. There's depression, mm-hmm. right? There's no such thing as um, lust. It's just common, it's al- common health. Are. Common sexual health is now <laughs> what the Catholics would have called lust. The, I've never heard that term. Is that a thing? Point being is that whether or not you want to acknowledge or call it one thing or another or use a traditional model like the seven deadly sins to mm-hmm. look at yourself and examine that, in the absence of that, you can't be running around justifying the negative parts of your identity or personality mm-hmm. or your general health choices. You do have to engage in some self-reflection. That's the whole point of mindfulness, mm. right? Which is, I guess, the agnostic religion now. Yeah, because mindfulness and general spirituality has come around. Because we went through, we went through like the hedonistic phase, and I think that's still around a bit, but. After the mid-2000s, I suppose, that was where it started taking a turn, I think. I will acknowledge that the critique of mindfulness is that it's corporate. Hmm. In the absence of something that was controlled by religion, we have something that's controlled by corporations. That's why Bell, Bell Let's Talk, hey, are you being mindful? Oh, man. We're going to pay for all of your mental health benefits so we can coach you through (laughs) working at the worst place ever. (laughs) That was we can coach you through all the damage we're doing to you. <laughs> Early days of the Forest Creek when I was still at PCIT. One yeah. of the sketches I did was around the time that Bell was doing their Bell Let's Talk thing, which is their day in the year where they support mental health and mm. encourage everybody go talk, get some help. Also, we fired half of our employees. Also, <laughs> yeah, so I did like a video where I pretended to be the CEO of Bell and be like, because we care, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's like... Your performance is low. Clearly, we're damaging you. (laughs) One of the biggest critiques of the mindfulness thing is basically corporations are using it to keep you in check. Mm. Because we just want you to be healthy and continue to be productive. Yeah. Right? Um, 
which you know i'm sure there's a lot of people behind these initiatives who are honestly just honest trying to help you know i think a lot of people who talk about mindfulness they're like hey this has helped me a lot i just wanted to help you mm-hmm. but it is it exists and is supported for a reason because it's good for business mm. you know and hey the church kind of did the same thing <laughs> for a while at least the catholics because they're the ones who got apparently good at that they got the money they <laughs> got a whole city they were like in charge of governments you know mm-hmm. whereas if you look i look back at our history like coptic orthodox lots of persecution <laughs> it's like we weren't really in charge of a lot to be honest <laughs> yeah um but not to get too much into church histories and politics and money for the self it is important to reflect mm-hmm. to consider how you are not being your best self and aim to do that because the thought being that being your best self you'll live your best life isn't that something you want yeah i want it that'd be nice who doesn't right there's there's some people out there but they've got to work on their mental health (laughs) and of course there's some people out there who like if you saw your best self right now you didn't necessarily see the road that you took to get there Mm. you might not even like that life right now what if your best self was to be that guy who just moved up to the Yukon to live alone? Mm. So he might, if you showed him that as a teenager, be like, hey, you're going to be an old man alone in the mountains. Yeah. That's not an exciting thing for a teenager to think about. What about the, the At least bear most guy. teenagers I know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the bear guy. What's the bear guy? The grizzly man. That's his name. The grizzly man? You've never heard of the grizzly man? What does he have to do with self-reflection? <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have reflected on how he was gonna get eaten by a bear not a bad choice (laughs) why are you going to swim with sharks what are you trying to prove (laughs) that that was a big tim Dillon point (laughs) what if you just want to pet a shark it is an important part of self-improvement improvement to self-reflect and as we've spoken about here before traditional and classical models exist for a reason Mm -hmm. they were popular for a reason they do work Mm -hmm. the goal is to look at yourself with these seven deadly sins and not use them to become guilty about what you're doing but to identify hey this is a place that i could probably improve Mm -hmm. i'm satisfied now do we have a good thesis (laughs) that's pretty solid that's pretty solid yeah cool (laughs) that being said we've decided to group some together We've reflected on them a little bit. Oh, yeah. Tell us about this. Yeah. Um, So one commonality here, and I think I've talked about it before on the podcast, is that I like to say the seven deadly sins all hold hands. (laughs) Because you do one thing, it's very easy to lead into another. Mm -hmm. And we'll reference that quite often, I'm sure, throughout this episode. Um, Anything to add on before we... I was wondering, in earlier you mentioned it, the idea of despair being one of them and i remember how you you swapped one out right what's the one you removed and replaced okay. so in preparation for this episode we watched or rather listened to stephen fry's seven deadly sins mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of stephen fry just in general as a writer and actor i find him very delightfully entertaining and his when he does things in the audio work whether it's reading a book like the harry potter series or mm-hmm. the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that i love or something that he wrote, like the Mythos Trilogy, that I'm also a big fan of. Probably mentioned that before. This Seven Deadly Sins podcast, it's fun. It's not, you know, he does it from a completely secular point of view, being a secular individual anyway. And it's informative, and you have a good time listening to it. And he did a good job running through them, I think. 
except that his seven deadly sins included envy as one of them, when I would argue that was just part of vanity. Hmm. The traditional seven deadly sins are wrath, avarice, which means greed. Then there's vanity, which some people translate to pride. Hmm. Then there's lust, gluttony, sloth, which some people say is sloth. And then there is despair, which also gets translated to sorrow. He did them all except he changed out despair with envy, which, Hmm. like I said... Uh, Is envy not the traditional one? I don't think so. I'm under the impression it is. Well... Granted, I never had a formal education and I'm going off of anime. There was never a villain named Despair. (laughs) (laughs) People change them out. Mm. Like, I've heard the same thing with people changing out the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and stuff like that. There's different translations and different uses for them. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to basically swap... We're going to go with uh, Wrath, Greed, Lust, Gluttony. Oh, basically, we're going to have Despair. That's a, instead of en- Despair instead of Envy. I have a hard time naming these seven off the let, top of my head. Let me see if I can do it. Sloth, Wrath, Gluttony, Despair, Lust, Pride, and shoot. Exactly. Greed. Greed. Aced see? it. It's hard to do it just in one flow. A minus. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I used to... Uh, I thought about this a lot this year because I was using it as a model to like, what can I confront in myself? You know, if it doesn't fall under these categories, it must be like, okay or something. Mm. And uh, at least in Catholicism, the counter to the seven deadly sins is like the seven virtues. Mm. We won't do that today. Yeah. We're just going to focus on the negative. (laughs) Screw virtue. Focus on the bad. (laughs) (laughs) That should be the title of the podcast. Focus on the bad. Focus on the bad. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start off with a, a kind of a first trifecta. And I think that this trio stems from self-knowledge. Hmm. When I used to consider this model, I always put despair at the top. Because hmm. I always thought despair is the thing I am acting out of. Right? At least that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Despair is characterized by the lack of hope. And so this must be the cause of all my problems. I don't feel like I have hope, and Mm. that's why I'm doing all these other things to fill the void. I don't think that's true. Now I come back and I think about it again. I was like, no, no, no. The cause of all of my problems didn't start with despair. It started with vanity. We begin with self-knowledge, right? The original sin was to eat the apple, right? Mm. That act of doing that gave them knowledge of themselves and the first thing that happens to them is they feel shame that they are not wearing clothes Mm -hmm. right because for the first time they are Mm self-aware they have knowledge of themselves having knowledge of yourself it's it's how you say i in a conversation it's how you distinguish yourself from the rest of the world it's just part of being a conscious being it doesn't mean it's a sin on its own what do people normally call this they call it this sin they call it pride but I would argue the better term is the more traditional vanity. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction to make because often pride gets... People get really mad at pride when people say pride is a sin because it's mistaken with being proud of yourself. I mean, if you... Well, yeah, that's well, also... Exa- and that's a lot different than the sin of pride, a.k.a. vanity. 
because the difference there, which gets across much better with vanity, is that it's all about you, you're the best, everything is, you're the center of the earth. Everything revolves around you. If I'm giving a speech and I start the speech with like these proud Canadians, mm -hmm. that's different than saying these vain Canadians. Yeah. Pride has a positive connotation. I don't think it is wrong to be proud of things. Mm -hmm. It's good to look back and be like, I'm proud of the work I did. Oh, no, yeah, today, that's right? a good thing. I'm proud of my boy. You know, something like that. <laughs> you don't say, I'm vain of my boy. We know that vain is negative. Yeah. And I would say that is the real sin, mm -hmm. right? Is self knowledge in an egregious way. A yeah, way it goes too far. It's the opposite of Musashi's quote think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. It's thinking deeply of yourself and lightly of the world. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's or, like nothing else matters. I'm the most important. There is a line between I am and I am God. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you want to be aware of yourself. You don't want to be aware of yourself as the center of the universe, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. hard because you interact with the universe through you. Yeah. So naturally you'll place yourself on some importance. But and that's just part of survival. Really. Yeah. I think something that's interesting about it is that you can see it in others before you see it in yourself. 100%. Probably like everything. But you hate it when somebody's vain. Yes. Or you can tell it immediately. Yeah. It is, we know it's, like it's a negative it. quality. Yeah. Right? I don't Even actually, if they don't. I don't mind if somebody's proud. That just tells me they're confident. Absolutely. They like who they it's are. It's like, no, be proud of your work. It's like, do, it's like, be certain. Because that's, that's what that tells me. If I'm hiring someone and they're talking as though they are certain and they're proud of what they yes. do i know it gives me the impression they're going to do a good job there's if also, someone's asking a bunch of questions and very unsure and they're shaky around things like oh i'm not so it's like uh, i don't want you doing this work there's also a political con connotation of course to the word pride mm. right because as soon as we say it you think of rainbow flags you think of parades oh interesting yeah it's like hey they've kind of the gay community yeah. took that word and used it for their parades. Mm -hmm. And now we think of pride as an LGBT thing mm. to some degree. It's funny because technically the Catholics traditionally should be against that too. <laughs> but it's like, again, we're not talking about pride in that way. We're not even talking about pride. Like yeah. we just said, we're talking about vanity. Yeah. You being vain. Your self-knowledge going too far to put you at the center of the universe or you above the world. Mm -hmm. Right? When you are think about actions or considering people or thinking about what am I going to do today? What am I going to have for lunch? Mm -hmm. If I am placing myself above the world, I'm like looking at myself as more important. I'm going to start to make decisions based off of that. And that's going to affect the way I think about things. Mm. Or this person must be a bad person because they don't like me. Mm -hmm. And I am the good, right? Because I, of course, this is how I interface with the universe. But it also causes us to be discompassionate. It causes us to be unempathetic or unsympathetic, right? It causes us to make decisions that only benefit us, even when technically cooperating and doing the thing that isn't always you beneficial is in the long run often better for you. That's one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of um, individualist philosophies tend to argue is to say, it doesn't mean individualist doesn't mean that you only live for yourself. Sometimes it means you do live for your community because that is a thing that benefits the individual. Mm -hmm. Right. But vanity is looking at oneself in a way that I think the best description I've heard of it is there's a quality of wastefulness to it. Your self-knowledge is a little bit too much. So that excess is mm. wasteful. 
and it comes off in wasteful things, and that fat on your self-knowledge is weighing you down, or it's making your life worse, Mm -hmm. and making the lives of people around you often worse, right? I don't know, do you have anything to add? No, that's really interesting, that's a good point. Because yeah, it's like being so obsessed with yourself that you don't leave room in your head for other things. For other people. Yes. Or room in your heart. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it it'll it'll reach the point where you're yelling at the waiter. I noticed And that's it. the worst person yes. ever. <laughs> right? It's I'm so important, how dare you ruin my meal. Yeah. Right? I think there is there's a line where you do gotta get mad at the wait staff every once in a while. <laughs> but it, it's this is the guy who, this, who this gets is, mad at the we'll waiter. We'll get back here with Raph, but <laughs> <laughs> um but I think it's interesting. I was looking at doing that self-examination. I was like, mm. how does vanity manifest in my life? You mm. know, sometimes I joke around about oh. like, oh, I want statues of myself. Yeah. So I was looking at vanity in myself and going, it's not necessarily that I think I'm great. Right. Sometimes I do make, you know, a decision that's better for me, but not great for someone else. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times I'm self-aware with that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to choose to do the bad anyway, <laughs> just for <laughs> my own personal game. But other, you know, I never considered myself to be somebody who's vain. Like, oh, I want to be famous. I want to be mm. social media famous. And that's, you know, another great manifestation of modern vanity yeah. is posting every little thing to Instagram and not just like, <laughs> just enjoying the moment, yeah. you know, or maybe it's a 10,000 selfies of me because I have to pick the perfect one mm. or something. There, That is a characteristic or a manifestation of vanity. I never thought of myself as that kind of person. But then I think about my personal motivations and my philosophies about the future and this idea of providence of things going right and going my way and my sense of ambition I'm like my success is not destined I'm not going to rise up to the top and be like some great person Mm -hmm. right this way of looking at the world that is all destiny and you know magic almost it's it, it is magical thinking and it's not healthy it is quite literally based in vanity and if you raise your expectations like that, what do you, what happens? You get disappointed with reality, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you get disappointed with reality, you go into the other sense. Raise the whole hands. Yeah. You know, one one last thing on vanity in that part, in how it manifests, I think that, that reminded me of, because there's two ways I've learned that it manifests. Right. One, the obvious, what you described, everything's about me, I want to be the famous one, put the attention on me. That's the one everybody knows and everybody sees. Yeah. I once thought at a point, I don't struggle with this at all because I hate myself. But it turns out I actually had a large root of pride because I had built up an image of myself that I was around people because people really liked me and thought I was a great person. And it's like, I kind of was, but really a lot of it was also like a mirage. Yes. And when people dug deeper, I hated them because they were going to uncover this thing I'd put up. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, God revealed that to me, and it's like I started working on that. Probably still haven't gotten rid of it. Who knows? But it's like, it's as far as I can tell, it's gone. And now I'm far less vain. You're far less, at least, self-critical. Yeah. Because, yeah, that does happen, right? But it's on that point of you don't think you're great. You actually think you're the worst, but you want people to think you're great. Yes. And that's what you don't want uncovered. That's it's like that form of self-hating pride. Vanity. Yeah. 
you should be Socratic about the way that you look back on yourself. Yeah. Logical, right? It shouldn't be self-critical necessarily, or mm-hmm. like you shouldn't be going too far in any direction, right? Um, I want to put an antidote next to each of these things, but really, I think... An anecdote? An antidote. Oh. Right? An antidote to be like, if you are someone who is vain, what do you do? Mm. Well... Freaking deal with it. <laughs> To be honest, kind of. <laughs> the problem, well, look, as I'm doing it right now, my the antidote of van- to vanity appears to be a little bit of disillusionment. Hmm. But it's hard to do that because it brings your entire epistemology into re- reevaluation. Yeah. Epistemology being the way that you value things. And if you're not at the center of that system, you start wondering about it, right? Hmm. Or at least if you are someone who was like me and you put a lot of your future on that epistemology, it's like, well, Look at it again. What are things like now? What should you be valuing now? What are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. Right? And that was, you know, a wake up for me. Right? And it does have elements of, like, the problem is that disillusionment can do the same thing it did to you, which is you become too self-critical. Yeah. Like, oh, well, now sucks. <laughs> but it's funny. I think that this, the first thing that this leads into very well is greed. I was thinking the same thing earlier. Avarice. Yeah. Of wanting things. I want to start off by defining greed by its opposite. Mm. Contentment. Mm-hmm. Being happy with what you have is the same as being happy with who you are. You know? Yeah. Wanting and... things, desiring, is where we get into greed. And um, I wanted to make an illustration here of the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism. Mm. Or at least the first two. I have a restaurant illustration after this. Okay. The first of the Noble Truths is that life is suffering. You kind of wake up to the pain of it. The second of the noble truth is that suffering comes from desire. Hmm. And desire, easily we can see how that leads into suffering because, again, it's expectations. It's wanting something more than what you have. It's not being content. Mm-hmm. right? So either you're going to try to get it, fail to get it, you're going to get it, realize it's not that good, or you're not even going to try getting it, you're just going to feel bad about the fact that you don't have it. Mm-hmm. All of these are suffering and they all stem from desire. And desire is itself the root of greed yeah avarice even better once you get the thing you don't want it anymore and it doesn't do anything for you what is your restaurant example well it's vanity leading into greed the more the better you think about yourself the better you think you deserve and so that's when you become you go to the restaurant this dish is not up to the standard for who it is served being served to this is my dish. It should be the best possible. And then you yell at the waiter. Yeah. I, because you were discontent with the meal set before you. I can easily be followed with want. Yeah. I want. <laughs> or as Stephen Fry put it, he, he pointed out that funny thing about Americans. Yeah. That they say, I need something. Even yeah. though when it's not something you really need. <laughs> Which is funny because I was thinking that phrase. I need this phrase. door open right now <laughs> is the example. He gets like... Instead of just walking up and being all British and being like, can somebody open this door? Yeah. You know? Somebody, <laughs> has anybody opened, opened this door for me? <laughs> I was going to upper class British like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best British. Yeah. It's the yes. most fun. This is like, it was the thing I noticed if I drink enough alcohol, I go into, oh yes, we'll have d- dinner in a few minutes. Like, it gets, it's three Griffin. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing it with Brian. Um, I can easily be followed by I want and if you're really greedy you're like I need this yeah this is the only way to make life worth living I have to be happy right it's I and I want Mm -hmm. 
how do you beat that? Like I said, it's contentment. It's actually just looking around and being grateful for what you've got. Yeah. Right. There's also the the harsh, immediate, physical thing. Charity. Go give yeah. something away. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's that's an excess of contentment. Yeah, right? I've got so much. It's so good. I've got to <laughs> give it away. Even better. Start. It's like start with something you don't want. So yeah. it's like, oh, I've got these old clothes. Then give away something you do want. Yeah. <laughs> or but, give it to somebody close to you. So it's like, oh, you like this so much. You think it'd be better with them, even though you don't. Dude, give you your time it. away. Oh, that's that's a huge that's thing. Hard. That's a huge hit to I heard a while ago it? that hit me big was don't be selfish with your time. And I was like, shoot, bro. I'm I was super selfish with my time. In the meditations of Marcus Aurelius, I came across this line once that was so impactful to me. He's like, he's not even Catholic. He's before Catholicism. And he says, when you say I'm too busy for that, you might be prideful. Ooh. Because your vanity is telling you your time is too important that you mm. can't give any of it away to somebody. It's like it's interesting. interesting, right? But yeah, you beat it with contentment. And if you are someone who struggles with that, as we all do, how do you do it? Well, the mindfulness people start with be grateful mm-hmm. for the things around you. That's an interesting thing is that when we were being taught to pray in Sunday school, somebody told us the very useful advice of start with something you're thankful for. Mm-hmm. Start by thanking before you ask for things. Yeah. Right. It's a great, you know, I've held on to it in the sense that now what if I think about praying or now when I meditate, you start with the things that you're happy with. Be like, hey, I just drove to work today. Traffic was hectic and I'm okay. Yeah. I didn't hit another vehicle. It's like that could have ruined everything. Start with something so simple. The sun came up today. Mm. Isn't that great? <laughs> like, really, dumb it down a lot. Yeah. And then start to think of, like, okay, I'm really glad I know these people in my life. I'm really glad that I have enough money in my bank account that I'm not panicking right now. I'm glad I have a scented candle. Yeah, I'm glad you have a scented candle. Who doesn't love a good vanilla cappuccino in their nose? A lot of guys' apartments or guys' like bachelor pads or whatever, they're going <laughs> to smell. This one does not. Congratulations. That's, thank you. That's, that's the biggest compliment I've ever received. Hey, I like to be specific with these compliments sometimes. <laughs> It's like, hey, this specific thing about you, it's good. That's how you know I care. Most of the times I just don't say anything. <laughs> so that when I do, it's special. Um, but yeah, start with gratitude. You know what? <laughs> A guy that was helpful in my faith journey was known for his quote, your attitude determines your altitude. That's, I don't know if he came up with that, but. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he did. <laughs> it's a great quote. Yeah. Yeah, but starting your... It's like gratitude can be its own superpower in a way. Mm-hmm. Because it's like if you're grateful for things, everything feels like it's a gift in some way. Yeah. And you start there and then suddenly you're content and that kind of erases your feeling of vanity mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, because you think about things. Now you're considering the world deeply, as Musashi would have put it. Musashi. Mm. Musashi. <laughs> <laughs> After greed... Here's the thing. Sometimes we don't get what we want. Sometimes we yell at the waiter. Oh, shoot. Sometimes we go into wrath. Wrath. No, I'm kidding. Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> wrath. That's one of the fun ways that people say it. It's one of those. Which I kind of like. I thought it was a different word for so long. Which is funny to me. Wrath. <laughs> which it sounds more. I don't know. I, I think it's it, just the British way of saying it. I wrote it into Microsoft Word. I wrote W R O T H. 
<laughs> and I thought that was like a different manifestation of the same yeah. thing. I mean, that's what it doesn't even make sense phonetically. Warath. No, it does. I think people get tripped up about silent letters because you think it's not supposed to exist. It's supposed to exist. It's just not the way that you think. No, no, not I the W. The aw. Raw. Wrath. Wrath. Yeah. The, the A saying aw. We may as well address the other one, which is some people say sloth. Some people are wrong. That one's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I get where they're coming from because yeah. the word is slow. No, it's not. not it's sloth. sloth. <laughs> no, it's like well, sloth. In, here's the thing: in both sloth. cases, sloth and roth, there should be a W after the letter, after the O, after the A, for it to say it to be pronounced that way. Roth. Yeah. Roth. It's like think about the word raw, R A W, raw. Yeah. So if you add a W at the the beginning and th at the end, that would be roth. Yeah. But it's written wrath. Sloth. If you put and a I W between wrath. the O and the T, you got sloth. You but can only not. threaten somebody with your wrath if you are British. <laughs> if you don't have that accent, it sounds like you're making broth. I'm Australian. Um, does that count? Try an Australian accent and say wrath. You're really bringing me to the point of wrath here, mate. It kind of works. <laughs> it kind of works because I Oy. wonder. I wonder how it would go for a, a Scottish or Irish person. But nonetheless. I say wrath because yeah. I say it's the wrath of Khan. I say wrath because I'm correct. It's the wrath of Cthulhu. And also it sounds <laughs> close to my name, Wrath. There you go. So it's <laughs> phonetically friendlier being to me. wrathful. Yes. That's, that, <laughs> that's the biggest sin. Um, but it is anger. Yeah. Is how we characterize it. Let's get a little deeper. We go rage yeah. and outrage. I, here's one thing I, I want to know. How do you express your wrath? How does it manifest in your life? I have, <clears throat> in times of, I don't, I don't like, I don't let my frustrations out in the moment. Mm -hmm. I bottle them up and I let them out when I'm alone for a minute. So like mm. just, gah, my car. Yeah. Or something. And I'm making sure there's nobody around or like going home and hitting the bag because I'm angry. I try not to be angry. I think I like. We do a good job managing wrath because we're forced to. Hmm. Because if you start punching things around your workspace, <laughs> you're not going to be working there, right? You know, you can't be yelling at people that you know. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. There's two types of rage, and I'm sure we all do outrage quite often in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. There is the proactive anger of... I'm angry about something, so I'm doing things. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's outrage. There is somebody told me something that disagreed with me, that offended me in some way, and now I'm angry about it. Mm. Or stirred up about it. It is really like... I like to characterize wrath by like just being anger. Like Sometimes you're going to feel anger. That's inevitable. Yeah. But rage is when you've lost control. Yeah. And that's different from... That's what I do a lot. <laughs> that's what we all do. That's what... If you scroll... When I, when one, when AD, to be specific, <laughs> shares us Instagram videos about mm. the rise of interest rates in this country, <laughs> you're not doing this out of a place of contentment, are you? Mm. You know, this I'll is like something is causing a problem, and I am going looking at the problematic thing and reacting it and expressing my anger at it by sharing it out. Mm. Which is, like, that's why <laughs> negative content spreads so widely across the internet. Because yeah. we love to, like, here's a 
a video of people who just got bombed in Gaza. Isn't this outrageous? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring up how Andres pisses us off <laughs> by texting you, and then you respond right away, and then he doesn't respond for three days. <laughs> I that, To his credit, that hasn't happened that often. Yeah. And to his credit, he's actually just taken up calling now. Ever since he moved to Calgary. <laughs> this isn't a, a hate on Andres. It is now. Okay, which is fun. Coincidentally, <laughs> he is that Catholic friend who I'm sure is shaking his fist at this podcast. But uh, because I didn't say some Latin or something. <laughs> but to come back to the point, I want to make a distinction and say that anger, we've said there is anger. It's going to exist. It's almost natural to feel anger. And I'm not going to say that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Rage, we can say is the sin. Outrage, we can say is the yeah, sin. Yeah, I think the difference... Fury. Ooh. If you are furious, why is that different from rage? Well, rage is not controlled. Fury is controlled. I think you can put your fury towards good things. It is natural to feel this emotion because it energizes you to do something. Mm-hmm. When I think of the word fury, the word fist of fury comes into my head, the Bruce Lee movie. Why is fury cool in Kung Fu? It's because if the dude was furious, he is putting all of his emotion into his fists. Yeah. He's getting, he's biting bad guys and saving the day, right? He's not losing it and going berserk mm-hmm. because that you run out of the energy and you get killed. And that's yeah. what happened to the Vikings. Vikings rage. Yeah, I mean, that was... And that's a, a, a tactic in fighting. It's like, if you can get your opponent mad yeah. before he's even in the ring, right, dude, he's just going to swing uncontrollably. There was a time when being an angry barbarian got you the edge. Mm-hmm. But then the other guy started to outclass you. But once he did that, because you were wasting your time being angry, you would either run out of energy or get caught in a bad position or get too easily tricked or something. Mm-hmm. Right? It's funny that we think about the Mongols as like barbarians with swords on horseback. They were really smart. They got you angry. Yeah. They would show up, shoot an arrow, and run. <laughs> and run so that you would be forced to break ranks and chase them. That's how they got you. That's awesome. You would think about them as like, oh, they're the horseback barbarians who lose their tempers and start chopping off heads. Like, no, no, no. They got you angry. Right? And why is it that we hold on to our rage sometimes? It's like, because we don't want to face what's under it mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I'll be angry and frustrated with something in my car because I don't want to face the fact that I'm afraid of this going wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Even when I probably shouldn't be. Right? Or I'm worried about having to think about why am I feeling negative about this situation mm. when the other person doesn't seem to be. I'm getting mad at them for being fine when really I should be fine. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of ways this manifests. And then outrage again, being offended, stems from vanity. Mm-hmm. Wrath, all like we said, it stems from the self. You want something, yourself exists. You want something, you don't get what you want in some way, and now you're angry about it. Mm-hmm. Vanity, greed, wrath. How do we cure wrath? A cold bath. No. <laughs> just happened to rhyme my antidote for it is actually forgiveness Mm, yes sometimes it's forgiving yourself because you're angry at yourself like I'm such an idiot yeah no no no. forgive yourself you shouldn't be negative about yourself yeah it's like the world can do that for you already (laughs) forgiving others forgiving hey that person did something deliberately to make me upset I forgive them now Mm -hmm. I've taken out all the power that they've just 
tried to make me a Yeah, villain. I think that's an interesting one because... One, one more time. Yeah. Sometimes it's just an annoyance. If you are annoyed at something, that is a manifestation of wrath. Mm. That is, your discontentment is now physically... It's getting to you, and now you're losing control. If you get annoyed enough, sometimes you get frustrated. Sometimes you act out. But if you just forgive the thing that's annoying, you let it go. Yeah. Suddenly, it, you just took all the power out of it. That's the thing I run into most often, especially editing videos on my machine because it's yeah. old, and we have good footage. <laughs> so I hit play, and it just doesn't play smoothly over the same exact part. And after three or four times in a row, my the keys on my keyboard go flying. <laughs> I use Chat GPT a lot, and I am always pushing its limits. <laughs> and so it will start to jam up or produce wrong answers or forget yeah. something, and then I'm getting up mad at a language model. <laughs> you know. But yeah, and then you remember, oh, this is a machine. Yeah, I have overloaded it. Sometimes we That's why it's going slow. We characterize forgiveness a lot by forgiving people. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You can forgive situations. Yeah, I think one thing where actually the Stoics can pop in here is you cannot have an opinion about this. Yeah. The like Stoics? Yeah. When it comes to something that's annoying you, you can just be like, that's fine. I'd actually say that the seven deadly sins, they kind of pre-exist Christianity, mm-hmm. or at least formal Christianity. Well, that's They started we, with the Stoics. We like, can get really. into theology there and be it's like stuff that's built into the universe by god exactly and yeah that the devil's been there since the beginning so why wouldn't the seven deadly sins be it's like that's kind of the thing about the bible is or as a whole right is that this is a handbook to it's not just a history yeah or a set of stories it's a handbook to humanity yeah right i mean that's the whole point of the old testament it's like it's written in stories but it's all the wisdom of the new testament well, kind of. I think you need the New Testament to complete it. But again, yeah, but it's I not mean, a that's... theology podcast. <laughs> it's a secular podcast. Yeah. Um, Fine, jeez. <laughs> let's just go over that group again, because this is the first trio that hits you. Yeah, right? yeah. It's self-knowledge that turns bad. It's vanity. And then wanting things because you're vain, mm-hmm. greed. And now you're getting angry because you didn't get what you wanted yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Wrath. How do you cure these? Well, disillusion yourself, become content with who you are and what you have, and then forgive the things that seem to be causing you trouble. Or honestly, when you relinquish your greed, you're kind of doing that anyway, Mm -hmm. right? You relinquish your, I want something, now you've kind of forgiven the fact that you don't have it. It's healthy. Sometimes you'll have to question the fact that like, oh, if I don't want something, how do I stay motivated? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been coming across that quite often. Is I've stopped being motivated by my vanity and greed. How do I get out of bed in the morning? Mm. How do I keep wanting things? You know what? That's it. Just reminds me. It's a great illustration of it in Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. Spoilers for people. It's old series. Get over it. Um, Zuko, Firebender. So throughout the whole series, he's got his fire magic and the way he's been doing it we find out has been through his rage he's been angry and wrathful the entire show and that's how the source of his power but at some point he goes through character development and he loses his anger he gets rid of it and in doing so he actually finds out he can no longer use his fire magic and to do that he actually goes back 
to the original sources and whatnot, but the idea being he finds this new ancient source, the true source of this fire magic. Which is... Oh, I don't know, sun gods and stuff. It's not, it's like actually having that personal control over it. It's something like, something like that. Instead of using anger as the source of his power, he is now the source. Something the like five that. Five rings that Musashi wrote. Yes. There are, it's the five elements, including emptiness. And one of those is fire. Mm. Fire has its place. Just as anger has its place in the natural order of your biology and your life. You do need to get mad. You do need to be passionate about things. Mm. Right? Passion has its place. I think there is, like... We see it famously in the Star Wars thing, right? Because the Jedis literally say, no passion for us. And then the Sith say, I'm all passion. Mm. But the problem is that these are both extremes. The Jedi always end up falling and giving way to the Sith... Because they keep trying to stop people from having any kind of passion. Mm -hmm. So that was the whole thing that got Anakin underwater, was that he couldn't even tell the Jedi that, hey, my wife is dying, or whatever, right? Or this is the thing I'm trying to do, is I'm married, and now because of all this secrecy, he gets in trouble, right? Because they were no passion. Mm. Passion has its place, and you're, you're supposed to love, you're supposed to have joy, you're supposed to feel good about things and feel deeply about them, and that does mean you're gonna get angry. But it has its place. You're not supposed to get angry because, you know, something's not loading fast enough. Your anger should be reserved for, I can't believe they've done this to someone I love. Mm-hmm. Right? The thing, like, just like vanity, just like greed, which, hey, you should be a little bit motivated. You should kind of want things. You're supposed to survive. Right? All of these seven deadly sins, they have a natural version. They have a thing you're supposed to have. Right? Mm-hmm. But we move on, because now we've done vanity, greed, and anger. The next trio is gluttony, lust, sloth. Mm. We'll start with gluttony. Um, just like what we would have said pride, it has a modern connotation to it, is that we don't want to call people fat anymore. <laughs> we are in a body positivity era. Don't be fat phobic, Rav. Why not? Obesity phobic. <laughs> That's fat phobic. Be fat. I don't care. Oh snap. But hey, if you're obese, we have a problem. Because we wouldn't be saying obese if there wasn't a health problem attached to this. Mm. Right? In theory, all people would like our bodies store fat for a reason. There's supposed to be a little fat. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a little fat. Yes. It's okay to be quite fat. I think the way you had a good holiday. Yeah. Right? (laughs) But if you're going into obesity, the excess, now we're having health problems. The way I describe it in my life, the different phrases I coined is being fat versus having fat. Interesting. Yeah. It's like it's fine to have fat. You're supposed to have fat. You kind of need it to live. But being fat is that morbid obese excess. Of it's yeah. like there's no reason for this beyond your own glutton. But before we start debating body positivity, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the listener's hand. We're gonna walk back a little bit. <laughs> Come back here. What are we really talking about when we're talking about gluttony? We're talking about running for those good chemicals in your brain. Mm. Because gluttony, we characterize with eating food. 
What are you doing when you're eating food? You're chasing the chemicals. Mm. You're chasing the sugar. You're chasing that jump to your blood pressure. You're chasing whatever. I don't like. Oh, sorry. You're ch- chasing the jump to your blood sugar, right? You're chasing the feeling of like the dopamine of biting into a Big Mac. Mm-hmm. You have these things in your brain because you have to have a, something motivating you to go eat so that you could continue to survive. But in the era of drive-throughs where this is no longer an issue. <laughs> yeah, where you can get 10,000 calories for about 30 bucks. It's like, oh, and what about drugs? Drugs mm-hmm. and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Chasing the feeling, the way our brains will react to this. We're ch- scrolling through Instagram, right? Looking for the little dopamine hit that you're going to get when you get a like. It's like, yeah, it's a manifestation of vanity. It's also a gluttony because you're looking to feed those good chemicals in your brain. That's the real thing behind, you know, well, being fat, as you put it, right? Mm-hmm. People have fat. Yeah. It's natural. It's perfectly fine. But when you let it start to consume your thinking, when you let it influence your decision making, when you let it get you to a point of excess, now we are gluttonous. Mm-hmm. I think... Oh. oh I was going to continue. Go ahead. I think it's in terms of eating, you know when you're done. And when you're like... Oh, but it's right there. I could have another piece. I could have another bit. It'd be so good. Yeah. I'm not going to get this for another year. It's Thanksgiving now. Oh, that delicious, big, thick, sliced ham, honey-glazed ham with gravy. The scalloped potatoes. You don't need to try all of the specialty donuts at Tim Hortons. (laughs) Arguably, you don't even need to try the one. I don't need a whole pound Reese cup. Yeah. But I want it. Or the feeling of, hey, I had a stressful day. I'm going to numb myself out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So is that with watching an excessive TV, smoking some weed, drinking, right? All of the above. All of the above. Or at a party, it's like, I, you know what? It's not even enough good chemicals for me to just talk to my friends. Mm-hmm. I have to chase the other things. Yeah. Right? Hmm. All of these, like, it's a really hard world to manage your gluttony in right now because we have all these chemicals running around us freely. Yeah. Not only that, we're constantly spammed with advertisement to go and give in to that. When you go stand in the checkout line, even if it's the healthiest supermarket, they still have chocolate bars at the checkout stand. Yeah. Because that's where your gluttony is going to (laughs) strike. That's where you get distracted, right? It's also why they put magazines there because you're going to stand in line and read it. Yeah. That's the interesting, yeah. You're going to stand in line and look at that Snickers That's a good point because when you go to to pay for your groceries, what's right next to you? Even even in the self-checkout. Exactly. In the the aisle checkout where the person scans your items for you, you are on front and back surrounded by mints and candies and magazines. Gum. That's sugar. Crazy. Yeah. And when you go to the self-checkout... On your left is a bunch of drinks in a fridge, and on your right, it's a whole bunch of chocolate. There was something I read before about indigenous nations having a problem with, uh, indigenous people having a problem with diabetes, Hmm. because their diets were very natural for a really long time, and then suddenly there was a sugar shock. Oh. Of like, suddenly there's Snickers bars in there. 
<laughs> like, I love the idea of a, a scientist looking at some blood work and seeing tiny little Snickers bars. <laughs> hey, where did you come from? The systems aren't designed to handle this. <laughs> Your system isn't designed to handle this amount of sugar. Yeah. You were supposed to be walking around the wild to find a few berries every once in a while, yeah. not like a bunch of Snickers bars. Yeah, right? Especially when it's advertised as you're not you when you're hungry. It's like, yeah. why would I stop sa- how being does a diva? Snickers don't satisfy your hunger in the slightest they make you stop being a diva it physically makes you full if you have low blood sugar yeah you will be getting angry at people interesting you will be snapping you will feel worse you will be a diva and then you buy a snickers and you eat one and it so the raises solution, your blood sugar the solution to wrath is gluttony that's the problem <laughs> isn't it like i said the seven yeah. deadly sins all hold hands yeah. i feel terrible after the first three just rocked my life and gave me an existential crisis yeah. and led me to like hoping for things and not getting them how am i gonna get out of this i'm gonna numb myself i'm gonna go to the drive-thru mm. because you know what i can't rely on you know meeting the girl of your dreams you can't rely on winning the lottery you can't rely on getting the promotion at work go to the drive-thru you can rely on that burger you can rely on at Wendy's. least hopefully i have some bad stories of not being able to rely on this burger <laughs> hold on i need to hear one of these well I, I told you about it before it's the mcdonald's story of the raw hamburger patty oh no i forgot about that sometimes you can't rely on these things that's so gross but you know why you know what is the most amazingly consistent product in the whole of the western world Wendy's chicken strips? The cigarette. Oh. It is always the same. Yeah. They have a machine <laughs> that is so specific and exact in the way that it measures out every component and wraps the cigarette. There is not a, like, you open that box, they're all going to be the same. Wow. It is the most amazingly consistent product in the world. And yet it's literally only purpose. Yeah. Is to damage you. <laughs> is to basic... Well, it gives you a little nicotine jump, yeah. which is that good chemical you're chasing. And what is the cost of your gluttony? Lung cancer. Or obesity. Or whatever other health condition you're going to suffer. Or mental condition. Mm-hmm. Do you understand how much people like think about food that they can't break their thinking away from it? Yeah. They're running to get home because they know they have a cake in the fridge. <laughs> My day sucked and I'm unable to like weigh it out in my head. I'm just looking forward to the sugar hit yeah. that I'm going to get. I'm looking forward to getting a McFlurry on the way home mm-hmm. in the drive-thru. I had a McFlurry last night. For a long time, my antidote to this was just to like look at food and be like, it's not even that good. Mm-hmm. Or to look at this beer somebody bought. It was like, oh, it's the cheap one. It's not even that good. I've been doing good. that lately. Right? But then I got started getting the problem of I go after the good mm. ones, right? I'll, and now your wallet's hurting. Yeah, now I'm spending like crazy and because I had to go out on the top shelf scotch. Time to go to highs. Oh, God. That, we've been there three times now. Yeah. And dude, did you have any idea how expensive that blue label would be? Oh, no, I knew exactly. I oh, knew really? exactly what I was getting into. I thought you were just flippantly going, I like Blue Label. I love Blue Label. No, this isn't. I knew this isn't a genie, and I'm going to, like, see this in the thing. A $900 bo- glass. Thank you, James, for including the gratuity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that kind of thing. 
happens and people yeah. go chasing after the good chemicals and you know you play all kinds of tricks to try to get past it but here's the thing that happens with the diet food sometimes it's like you know restrictive diets or like keto food won't work it's because they don't actually liberate your thinking from thinking about food yeah it's actually the opposite yeah it's got like, you thinking more about food there's only 30 more minutes in the day to like eat that protein bar yeah. <laughs> right or like i can eat this not that it's oh like, yo it, it's like with keto it gets to the point of especially with the idea of net carbs yes. you go that means i have a specific amount of carbs i can't eat a day and all you're thinking about is how many carbs you can have and what you can and can't have because it has this many carbs yes you know it, it's really hard to introduce an antidote to this hmm. but i come back to contentment to being i could be happy with the way i'm feeling and the way i am right now because guess what when I'm done with the glutton, I'm going to feel bloated and awful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be gagging. I'm going to be like, I'm going to not sleep well. It's going to ruin my morning. And then having a bad morning means you have a slow day. And then the day sucks. And then guess what? When that day's over, what do I want to do? Gluttony. Yep. Go right back to the chemicals. Time chase to them do again. some gluttony. So you start with a point. Start with, hey, I actually don't feel that bad right now. I'm a little hungry. Mm-hmm. I could make a sandwich and be happy with that. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a scoop of ice cream. That's That's been the biggest thing for me is getting away from caring what I eat. Yes. Because I'll have cravings and whatnot. Oh, I could go for a pizza. And they pop yeah. in at, the, at a minute. Yes. In a second. Because I'll be watching something and somebody mentions, oh, I had a pizza yesterday. And it was good. And then I started thinking about ordering three larges from Pizza Hut. Well, think about the times that the Pizza Hut commercials will come on. Yeah. It's while you're watching the game. Dude, I get Uber Eats notifications at, like, noon and 6 p.m. Yeah. Because they know. <laughs> They're waiting for you. Yeah. Right? And it's crazy how it's probably coincidence, but sometimes I've It's not coincidence. About, this is... Well, they no, no, plan no, no. out Here's when the they thing. release No, no, no. This. These coincidences of... I've thought... Man, I'm getting hungry. I want something to eat. And then I get a notification from Uber Eats telling me that brick and cheese is 20% off. But don't go shaking your fist at capitalism. It's your fault. You're gluttonous. Absolutely. It's you who's (laughs) not being happy with, hey, what's good in the fridge at home? Exactly. Right. Because then it's like once you can get past those cravings. Yes. I don't actually need nor do I want this. I'm fine if I just have something else. I just it's, have what is available to me right now. I don't need to go It's one of the reasons why thing. I love something like charcuterie. Because I actually, <laughs> every time I've had charcuterie, I never overeat. Yeah. Right? It's just like I'm getting, you know, cut up a few fruit, put some cheese out, put some whatever yeah. out, and then good. Right? I was recently listening to Andrew Huberman talk about a reason for that. It's, I can't remember what it was, though. It was interesting. Well, that's great. Thank you for referencing nothing. You're welcome. <laughs> I was I got excited when you said Andrew Huberman. I was like, oh, oh yeah, we're listening to Huberman well, Lab, now, aren't let, we? Let me let me see if I can pop it off. Okay. Um, it's something about the idea that your brain is looking for three specific things: amino acids, something else, and not sugar specifically, but basically sugar. Glucose. Glucose. That's it. Okay. And shoot, I can't remember, man, but it's like essentially once you find that, because it would be so rare normally, it's like you're yeah. just built to, oh, get as much of this. I can't, he explains it a lot I'll, better, I'll talk obviously. about a couple different brain chemicals. We have dopamine and serotonin. Yes. Serotonin is the These long-term the happiness. Hmm? These yeah. are the most popular ones. Yeah, it's the ones we want. Because <laughs> dopamine is the quick reward system mm-hmm. and serotonin is the long-term reward system. Yeah. 
you get serotonin from experiencing the moments of life where life is going right. You get dopamine when you found the little thing that makes you happy that you found it. Sometimes when life is not going well and our serotonin is low and we're falling into depressive moods, we look for the thing, instead of fixing it by improving our life to get more serotonin out of it, we end up leaping to things that give us dopamine because it feels like that's fixed the problem. Yeah. Right? I had a terrible day at work. My serotonin is low. I'm going to go through the drive-thru because that's where my dopamine is. Yeah. Right? And it's easy to get caught in that cycle. But you got to stop back, step back from it. You have to detach from the problem like Jocko Willis. <laughs> and you got to look back at it and be like, okay, that's actually not going to be that good because it's not going to fix the serotonin. Yeah. It's just going to give me a little spike of happiness. Yeah. If I can be content with where I am right now, I can actually be detached enough to like look ahead in the long term and make better decisions so I get more serotonin out of life. Yes. Right. Yeah. I've been dealing with that lately. I had recently, it was interesting actually. I had a few things to do on the weekend, and one of them was wash the dishes. There were a decent amount of dishes, and I didn't want to wash them quite a bit. And I also wanted to go to the cafe and read, because that's been my advice lately. And I realized, like, I wanted to go to the cafe and read because the people like me there, so it'll boost my confidence. And then I'll be able to read, I'll get coffee, I'll feel good. But then I'll come back home, and I'll still have to do the dishes. They'll be and it'll be yeah. hanging over my head the whole time. Yes. So instead of that, I did the dishes, and then I watered some of my plants, and then I got another chore done, and then I felt great, and then I did some work, and then I went to the cafe, and I went to a different cafe. Yeah. Because I actually just wanted to read. I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to people right now. I just want to go read. Well, I mean, the order of your day. Yeah also helps with that balancing the chemicals in your head mm-hmm. don't play video games till you've done your homework yeah don't eat dessert until you've had dinner i screwed that one up when i moved out i was like i can just have ice cream now yeah. and i would do that and then it, it would be fine at for the first week i was like well think about it you know you can't drink for most of your life until you, you when you're like a young man yeah right or young woman can't drink at all can't buy yourself anything until you turn a certain age and suddenly you have all the freedom to all the liquor yeah. that you want it's funny they don't like ration you out and say like hey at yeah. 16 you can drink this much and then right? at 18 you can do that i think there was a one of my friends from germany was saying it's like hey when you're young and even if you're under the legal age in some areas you could walk into the pub and have a beer mm. but you can't go asking for liquor yeah. Because the guy will let you get away with beer. Interesting. He won't let you get away with whiskey, <laughs> right? Because we know what that does. Yeah. I would... I mean, just ordering your day and taking charge of it and being detached from the need to chase the dopamine can give you so much power into like, hey, you come at the end of the day, hey, maybe you're not high. Yeah. Maybe you're not loving everything in, in the exact moment. Maybe it's not that amazing feeling of like the burger crease flooding your mouth after a bite. <laughs> Maybe you're just a base level of satisfied. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're content. Whoa. What else is a brain chemical? Lust. We're talking about the biological primal drive to procreate that is in all mammals. Here's an interesting thing. Is that lust and gluttony are separated. Because we just described gluttony as essentially, instead of just being food, chasing that chemical. Yeah. But really lust in these days is just that well because lust well it's like sexual activity 
has like what something like a hundred times more dopamine release than anything else. Right. I will make them distinct based off of this. Okay. You use the chemicals for daily survival, right? The gluttony chemicals, the things that we associate with that are just for daily sustenance and survival Mm -hmm. or just feeling the reward systems in your brain. The reward systems aren't themselves the sin, right? Mm -hmm. But they also exist for the other very important thing that we do, which is procreate. So gluttony is the survival stuff that's abused. Lust is the procreation stuff that gets abused, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have these primal drives in your brain. You have these dopamine releases in your brain when you come to someone attractive um, or, you know, meet them or have an interaction with them in any sense, or even do that through the digital space or by looking at a picture of them or like the attraction and the material manifestations of it, whether it's in sex or something else. That's... The reason why, like, when you abuse that, you know, it all exists there for the natural purpose of procreation, mm. and then abusing it is what we call us. Yeah. But also, again, modern connotation, we live in a very sex-positive world. It's just a kind of, you know, a part of culture, a part of society. Mm-hmm. Hinge exists, Tinder exists, Bumble exists. Actually, a lot of apps exist for this purpose, yeah. and a lot of websites do. And the websites are awesome, but the websites existed because the magazines existed. Mm-hmm. And the old-timey black-and-white movies <laughs> where a guy had to crank <laughs> the camera existed for this purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the photograph was invented, and shortly afterwards, the nude. <laughs> there were nude paintings. Please, the pinup. <laughs> there were nude paintings. At a certain time, they, somebody was looking around in Italy going, maybe we should put a seashell over all of these genitals. <laughs> Because And it's the interesting thing, is that artwork existed not... The artist wasn't doing it because he was driven by lust. He was doing it because this is the natural human body. Yeah. We came later and realized this is making us feel stuff. Mm. And that stuff isn't always right. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it was driven by Catholic guilt, as a lot of Italians were back then, but... Uh, Italians like Dante, who wrote Dante's Inferno and all that, <laughs> but we've been saying... These seven deadly sins stem from very natural things that we then bring into excess or pervert in some way. We were listening to Father AP give a talk at the time. We had on this podcast, check out episode 14. He was having a conversation with someone at a, at a talk. Uh, and that person was asking about, you know, generally sex positivity and all that. Mm. He illustrated it in this very fun, funny way. It'd be like, put your hand up in this room if you believe there is a wrong way to have sex. And a lot of people in the room were like hesitant for some reason because they thought he was trying to trick them. I just like put my hand my hand up. I was like, yeah, there's some pretty horrible ways to do this. And he's like, yeah. And as soon as I did it, other people started doing it. Be like, if you didn't put your hand up, are you telling me pedophilia is okay? Oh, that rape is okay. He's like, clearly we have ways that this manifests that are wrong. Mm-hmm. If there are wrong ways, is that? possibly because there's a right way Mm. and maybe that right way is supposed to be the way that we're supposed to do it according to a natural order and then we also attach that culturally to a lot of things i i really like the way that brett weinstein and heather hyang put it they wrote the 21st the hunter gatherer's guide to the 21st century (laughs) and they explain this dichotomy in it to say that when a guy is trying to meet girls at a bar there's two kinds of girls he can meet because there's two kinds of situations he can create your drive, naturally, is to put as much of your genetic material out there as possible, right? 
the whole point of doing that is to get your, you know, your next generation of you out there. You could either go and have a bunch of casual hookups and literally get your genetic material out there as much as possible. A bunch of offspring mm-hmm. from different mothers, quantity and not necessarily quality, mm-hmm. right? The other way to do it is you find the person that you really trust and then you have a sexual relationship with them and have a kid. And then you are involved in that life, and so you bring it up with a lot of quality. Maybe it's way fewer kids, but your generation has a much better shot moving forward. Mm -hmm. Now we've taken a long-term look at procreation, and we now can kind of apply that to the sense that, okay, maybe lust is when I'm not after that ideal of it. Hmm. And maybe you don't have to be after the ideal, like, hey, you're perfectly attracted and you're, you're with the best person ever. It's like, well, hey, sometimes it's, there's a bet, there isn't necessarily the greater relationship, Mm -hmm. but there's a better one than you're shooting for now. Yeah. Especially if that relationship that you happen to be in now is with a screen. Mm -hmm. That is a problem that lots of people, men and women, face now. And, you know, it always existed. Like we said, there was nude paintings, nude photographs, there was magazines, you know, but bringing it into the digital world where it takes a five-year-old 10 seconds to log on. Yeah. It's like even when a lot of those sites that now have a little pop-up that goes, are you 18? You're little, you just click yes. Yeah. It's really going to check you. It's ridiculous. I think one state in the, in, the, in the United States has a law now that you have to like take a picture with your ID. It's <laughs> slowly coming around after the major Pornhub scandal. Which was... Which was, it was, it finally came out that Pornhub was essentially, well, I guess MindGeek, their parent company. Yeah. Probably because they owned multiple sites, I think. And it was most prominent on this one that they just allowed a bunch of child pornography. Oops. And didn't bother to, apparently I heard from someone who was inside meant to, like their job was to check every single video that was uploaded and make sure it was legal. They were told to, like, just pass it. Don't bother, just pass it. Which is an insane job. Yeah. That arguably shouldn't even exist because we shouldn't that. be into this level yeah. of depravity. <laughs> hey, sorry, everyone. Hey, maybe if there's animals involved in your stuff, you should rethink some things. Rethink your life. Yeah. Do the, what was it, the Socratic Do self- some Socratic self-reflection. Yes. You know? <laughs> or self-observation or whatever yeah. the actual term was. Yeah, and so that's where that's why but that big scandal come, coming out is why all this verification stuff is finally coming forward. We should be sex positive. We shouldn't king shame people. You should be able to love I mean, that's where whoever you want. It's like, hang on a second, though. Are you really loving them? Yeah. Because would you do this stuff to people that you liked, even? It's like, some of this stuff is pretty heinous mm-hmm. out there. It's like, sorry, everyone, but hey... Maybe if there's chains and whips involved, <laughs> we can start to think about why are we in a dungeon? <laughs> why are we in... How romantic is this brick and mortar <laughs> sort of deal here? Right? It's like that's Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. did a really good job at playing with people's brain chemicals hmm. because it created the sense of wanting and taking and wanting and taking and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like, hey, there's something to that, to the appreciation of the fact that art and experience can do that. Is it really helpful? Is it really healthy that you're doing this? I often hear the thing about, like, um, people with kinks. You know, you'll, you'll find people who are more submissive in their lives 
like to go after control as a king. Mm. Any other way around, you see all these like really wealthy businessmen who are like really in charge of their lives. What is their kink? Their kink is, you know, getting shamed or mm-hmm. something like that. It's like, well, hang on. What this is telling me is that you have an imbalance in the way that you live your life. And instead of seeking to fix and remedy this imbalance, you're indulging it in your life. I'm not, again, I don't want people to feel bad about themselves, but I want them to consider this. Yeah. It's like, there is a natural reason why your brain works the way it does. And if you suit that natural kind of order, sometimes that's closer to living your best life than just Mm -hmm. trying to remedy whatever seems off yeah and i think when it comes to kink specifically especially when it gets more and more extreme a lot of it is because of pornography it's like you can view it so much and it's like anything if you eat too much good food your receptors is boring yeah yeah it's It's like again vanilla is synonymous with boring even though vanilla is delicious even if you have rocky road ice cream if you have that every single day, eventually yes. Rocky Road will become your vanilla and you'll need something more. Now we venture into cotton candy. Exactly. And now what other kind of And it goes further and further and further. And, and when you get it into the idea, the realm of sexual kink, it's like it gets further yes. and further and further until like, I can't even, you don't even want to think about it. Well, yeah, because thinking about it really should be illegal. Exactly. <laughs> and there the are times. people out there that have these things. And it's like there's that level it's like too yeah you gotta you're gonna have withdrawal maybe We've, but it's we, like you and i have shared that. some very uh, disturbing tiktok videos with each other at times <laughs> where i'm looking at the tiktok <laughs> not even on tiktok it's somebody filmed it because of how ridiculous it was yeah. and i'm looking at it going woman you are not a wolf <laughs> stop howling think about why you're doing this don't just indulge yourself yeah. and the thing is like we exist in a culture and community which is very sex positive so we don't say anything bad because we don't want to make anybody feel bad and i don't want to make anybody feel bad mm. but if i can say something that might make you consider something and then you end up at a healthier place because you confronted that within yourself can't we all walk away a little bit happier don't feel guilty i'm not catholic <laughs> <laughs> that should that should be the real title of the episode that's another t-shirt i'm not catholic don't feel guilty i'm not catholic <laughs> <laughs> don't feel, it doesn't help me for to make you feel guilty mm-hmm. it might help you there's a reason Maybe why it helps my own vanity to make people feel guilty <laughs> hey there is a reason why guilt exists whoa too there's a reason why shame exists whoa hey that's that's funny you were t- uh asking me earlier about like is there a coptic version of that we have shame <laughs> we have shame because we want you to be humble mm. right so when you're not humble maybe you should be ashamed which again it's a regular emotion that has a place in your life it's not something that should dictate your life mm-hmm. right you shouldn't be paying indulgences but like there's a natural thing in your brain that is trying to lead you to procreate it's not necessarily the most complex program in the world that's going to lead you to do it in the best way possible you still have free will you still have to make decisions you know your drive isn't necessarily hey i'm looking for somebody to put a ring on your drive is i'm going to put genetic material out there or at least that's the quicker drive because in the longer moments when you wake up alone and you're lonely and you're like oh maybe i should have been thinking about somebody to put a ring on maybe i should have been thinking about serotonin yeah Maybe you should have been thinking about the wider life instead of trying to make up for the little chemical lapses here and there. All about that long-term gratification. It applies to gluttony, it applies to lust, and in some ways it applies to sloth. 
Mm. Or sloth, as we've no, gone over. It's mm. not sloth. <laughs> Why is sloth a bad thing? Should I just go, or do you have a thing? Well, just you, you, nothing happens. Everything decays. If you do nothing, nothing happens. Yeah. In a state I think of decay. It's a quote I like from Elon Musk. If you don't make things, there are no things. <laughs> but it's like, okay, what is the good thing that sloth is supposed to come out of? Rest. Mm-hmm. You need to rest. Relax. You have to sleep. A little bit of R&R. You can't be at it all the time. You will burn out. You will fall apart. You will explode. Literally. Um, <laughs> but you have to sleep. Mm-hmm. But then they're staying in bed too long. Yeah. Now, what is it that sloth costs you more than anything else? Time. Ooh. You only have a finite amount of time to live out. And if you, like, look back on that now, if you're going to be on your deathbed, are you looking at all the time being like, I'm glad I used every second appropriately and didn't just sleep say, through I'm, I'm glad I life? put off those things for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, sometimes I look back and I'm like, hey, I'm glad I procrastinated about this. Or I'm glad I didn't let it take over my life for mm-hmm. the next three days. But there are a reason, you know, you know you're doing something irresponsibly. Yeah. You know when you're putting off something that you should be doing. And you actually feel a lot better about having it done before you sit down. Yeah. You know? It's like I was saying earlier with, I could either go to a cafe and read or I could do the dishes. Or as Marcus Aurelius puts it, it's warm. It's nice here under the covers. Well, this isn't your purpose to be under the covers. You're supposed to be out there doing something, right? You're supposed to be out there making your life better or other people's life better or both. Mm -hmm. Preferably both. Preferably both. That's the best way to do it. (laughs) That's peak capitalism. (laughs) We're pro-capitalist here at the (laughs) You have things that you should be doing with your time. And And it is appropriate for you to rest. It is not appropriate for you to be slothful and Mm -hmm. lose that time. To be lazy. To be lazy. To procrastinate. That is how we characterize slothfulness, is to be lazy. Mm -hmm. Slothfulness. Slothfulness. Yes. Um, (laughs) You need to be responsible with your time, Mm -hmm. right? I like to say that the three sins that we're talking about right now, they also like become in a trifecta. Because you tend to abuse all three parts of these part uh, of your brain here altogether, mm-hmm. right? Usually when you're being gluttonous or lustful, you're also wasting time. Yeah. I find, personally for me, it starts with slothfulness. I don't want to do things, and that leads me into doing things that are easy dopamine hits. Right. I actually find it the other way. is like, like I'll feel bad so i'll go to the dopamine hits mm. and in doing that i waste time and then i feel bad and not up to working so i continue <laughs> to stay in the slothfulness interesting now there's another way to characterize slothfulness that's a weird word to say too many times but it's apathy mm-hmm. it's oh. not caring hmm. right it's like i sometimes it's i don't even want to put in the effort of caring about something mm-hmm. and you sure that doesn't go more with despair Oh, uh, we'll get to despair. I don't sure. think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, not caring about something in the sense that like, I don't even want to put in the energy for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about like whatever is big in the news or on social media or something. Hey, I'm not, you know, it's not always awesome for you to 
get so wrapped up in whatever war is happening like 3,000 kilometers from you at minimum. Sorry, I don't actually think I can do a lot about the rockets. <laughs> I, I, hey, if you, I want, maybe I'm being slothful and I should get on a plane and go out there and help people. Maybe. Maybe that's not the best way for me to be helpful and I should be a little bit more responsible to the people around me. Because that's where I am. You can only see so far and reach so far and hear so far because that's what you're supposed to care about. We have windows in our pockets that show us things thousands of miles away. And people far away from me that, um... It's confusing because you want to be compassionate because those are still people. But you are supposed to be compassionate and responsible for what's around you. Mm -hmm. That is what you most immediately affect. So you should be empathetic, especially to people around you. You shouldn't be apathetic. You shouldn't not care, mm -hmm. right? Because it is important. Some things aren't important. Or you shouldn't care about them that much. Some things are vain. But you are. So we know the thing that we can keep coming back to with slothfulness here is responsibility. Mm. Being responsible, especially for the things that you affect other people's lives in your vicinity, really. Get out of bed. The problem with these three things, sloth, lust, gluttony, yes, I could say these stem from contentment, but how do you beat them? What is the antidote? Willpower. There really isn't another way. Mm -hmm. Sorry, everybody. There's nothing I could do to I think that, pull that donut out of your mouth. I think that responsibility bit works pretty well. Yeah. Right. But then, it's like if you've got that responsibility, then I guess you still need the willpower to care about that responsibility. I need. I can believe in it all I want, but there is a moment yeah. when I'm like, I gotta get out of these covers and be exposed yeah. to the cold of winter. You just gotta do it. You just have to do it. <laughs> It's willpower. You know... It helps to talk yourself through that and be like Marcus Ross and be like, I have a purpose today. Yeah. That's motivation. You know, I want things. I want to do it. Sometimes that's greed, but sometimes it is right mm -hmm. to be motivated. But you're going to have to confront discomfort. And that means willpower. You're going to have to confront being low blood sugar for a minute mm -hmm. and not having a donut. You're going to have to confront, I'm going to battle my own urge to be lustful. You know? or to waste time mm -hmm. or s force myself to stop scrolling Instagram and watching Netflix and actually go do what I said I was going to do, right? A responsibility and a motivation can help you with that, but mm -hmm. you do have to pull Eventually, the you just have to do it. Willpower. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do, but that's, cultivating love, that self-discipline. That's Jocko Willink, man. Because he says, oh, how do I, how do you get out, how do I get out of bed in the morning? How do I do this? Just do it. I recommend. Oh, yeah, it's his... He watched, I'd recommend Jocko Willink's video on mind control. It's like mind control, people think of it as controlling other people's mind. I think of it as controlling my own mind. Yeah. Well, of course, when you don't control your own mind, what does? Yeah. Everything else. Yep. That's actually a point that he makes. He recently did a thing on his mm. podcast where he released like these five minute pep talks. Um, there's like 20 of them or something. Mm. I highly recommend them. Just check them out. I listened to one a day and mm. it was like a good morning pep talk. But yeah, willpower. Now we get to, for me, this was like a big one because I thought it was in charge of everything. I actually look back on it now. It's the last one and the last one we're going to talk about here today because I think it sits alone. It waits for you at the end of all this. When you've hmm. ruined your life with the first six, this one is waiting for you at the end. Despair. Hmm. Despair is the root word for desperate, but 
it's rather characterized by the opposite of it, which is hope. When you have hope for a better future, you don't have despair. The other name for the sin is sorrow, right? But I wouldn't say, I would say, again, sorrow is actually something more on the positive side. Mm. Sorrow is like, it's too bad, right? Yeah. It was, uh, I was reading in Helen Moore's Promethea. She's a graphic novel series. It's very esoteric. But they have a scene in Promethea where the characters are in heaven. And they're asking the angels, like, why, is, why do I feel like a sense of sadness? And the angel was saying, because if you were happy all the time, it wouldn't be heaven. It would be Disneyland. <laughs> You're supposed to, The reason why you feel sad is because you know people don't know this. Mm. You know people don't know heaven. And they're not up in heaven. You know that there is, the whole world can't be up here in heaven, and that's why you feel a little bit sad. Mm. Sorrow has its place. There's a place for pity, right? But you need hope. You need to be have believe that life is going to be good. You, it's like almost like saying that the sin is cynicism and nihilism. You're not supposed to have a negative outlook on your life, an outlook on the world like this. You're not supposed to believe that it's all just suffering. Because contentment also exists. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to grapple with sometimes, especially for people who quite literally feel hopeless. Or for people who are hoping on something and then realize that's wrong, or it didn't work out. Sometimes that disillusionment happens, and it's up to you to battle the first three again and find out a way to be rooted in the good in life. But if you continue to wallow... In it. And it's hard because we're talking about depression here a little bit, mm -hmm. right? We're talking about some pretty serious stuff. If you wallow in your life, if you don't seek to improve things, if you remain in sorrow and you don't try to make things better, because it's not just about making things better for you, it's also about making things better for the world and other people. Because if you stay in the negative, you will come out with a negative sum when we're supposed to be adding something up. Mm -hmm. That's the human drive, is create, progress, do more, right? And that's not necessarily coming from a place of greed, it's just coming from a place of, what is the meaning of life? When you are finished, we should be a little bit closer, we should be closer to adding our decimal point, however many zeros are in front, to the ultimate 42. We're not supposed to be subtracted from it, right? Which is why despair is the sin. Right. It's keeping you from the meaning of life. Hmm. In the Christian tradition, it is keeping you from God, and it's or it's keeping you from believing that Christ's sacrifice and the salvation of Jesus is here to make everything better. And in a secular sense, it's saying that life isn't good. It's just bad. It's just meaningless. It's a waste. Mm -hmm. Right? And nihilism. Nihilism is that you're lying to yourself. And even secular people these days see nihilism as just the worst. It's like nobody wants to be a nihilist. Nobody wants to be a cynic. Yeah. I think some people are nihilist. Pete Holmes had a great bit about this. Is yeah. like nihilism is kind of cool. <laughs> it's like, it's the cigarette of beliefs. Yes. It's like getting on a motorcycle and being like, born alone, alone, die alone. And it's not even nihilism, because like even nihilism is like, Frederick Nietzsche would tell you, like, no, 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 make life meaningful. Yeah. If there is no God, you must be the Ubermensch. You mm. have to strive to do good anyway. But even ab absurdism, which kind of springs off of nihilism, is like life is meaningless and that's hilarious. That's yeah. helping you find the good in life too. Mm -hmm. But being a cynic and being, this is all bad, it's just a waste, and it's not worth anything. Mm -hmm. That's being diogenes. 
Yeah. And because you find people like that, and you're like, I guess I, there's no, I can't help you at all then. It's like, okay, I get, if, if that's how you think, then we're, then I guess we're done here. It's like, it's not about, depression isn't the sin. That is a thing that people come across. It's a chemical imbalance yeah. in your brain. But like I just said, it's a chemical imbalance in your brain. Just like the lack of dopamine or serotonin would be. <laughs> you can change the way that you're thinking to be better. That's the whole point of cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of mindfulness. That's the whole point of every ritual and every religion is to gear yourself towards more positive and healthy ways of thinking that hopefully are rooted in more gratitude and contentment. Your attitude determines your altitude. Whoa. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, put your seatbelts on. We are now flying. Uh, yeah. I used to think that my despair was at the cause of everything. I used to think that I have some internal nihilism that is putting a hole in my life, and now I just want to throw everything down that hole, and that's what's causing me to be bad, and that's what's causing me to fall into the other six. The truth is, despair is the last one. It's the one that is waiting for you at the end, Mm -hmm. because after everything has gone bad is where you meet despair. How do you avoid despair? You have hope. That's a hard thing to say. I don't even know what hope is. Because, like, if we're going to get into this argument, it's all about, like, is it just an optimism about the world? Mm. Not really. Because you can be mathematically optimistic and not feel it. Yeah, it is an interesting one. Because even I've thought in Christianity, like, Jesus is our hope. And I'm like, well, not really. It's more of just a fact once you believe it. Yeah. It's like if you believe he's risen then that's just and faith. that it's defeated and we're going, then we're good. That's just faith. Yeah. It's but like I can have faith. Hope. I can believe that all this stuff yeah. happened. So does the devil. Mm-hmm. So, so does the absolute worst <laughs> evil in the world believe That's a good that. point. <laughs> right? It's not enough to just believe yeah. that things are going to be good. I can be optimistic about the trajectory of the world. I'm miserable in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you beat it? Guess what? We go back to the top. We go back to vanity. Oh, snap. We start finding all that stuff again. Battle the first six, and then the seventh will go away. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> like, now we've come full circle again, haven't we? Yeah, it's like a, com- a comedy special. What's a callback? <laughs> In the Purgatorio, when you show up at the bottom of Mount Purgatory, mm-hmm. the angel writes seven Ps on your head, on your forehead, and you mm-hmm. wash each one off as you progress up the mountain because you're atoning for one after the other. So mm-hmm. you go to heaven. Write these seven P's on your forehead now. Let's start at the top. <laughs> Vanity. Greed. Wrath. Gluttony. Lust. Sloth. Despair. That was... That was one of our more perfect podcasts right there. Yeah. Um, do you have anything? Any final thoughts? Anything you want to add on? Your attitude determines your altitude. And with that... You can join us and help boost our attitude <laughs> at the Forest Creek on Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and all your other social media and podcasting platforms. Check out our website at theforestcreekweb.com. Hit us up for your media needs at theforestcreek at gmail. We create media as in for marketing purposes or documentarian purposes or anything that comes to your mind. We want to help you tell your story. Hit us up. The Forest Creek. 
like I said, all those platforms, either at the Forest Creek or youtube.com slash at the real Forest Creek. We'll catch you at the next podcast. Catch you on the flip side. I actually don't know what the next podcast will be. We should make it about coffee. I want to make it about something. I want to make it something more meaning of lifey because it will be episode Mm. 42. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm gonna we're gonna put some serious thought into that. Yeah. Hopefully, come back with a good podcast. <laughs> so we're looking forward to it. Um, have yourselves a happy winter, <laughs> and uh, you know, stay aware of the seven P's. Pacatum, 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 pacatum. <laughs> All right, I'm Raf. I'm Jared. Au revoir. See ya.